0: Uh, we are thankfully joined in studio uh, by uh, both Imtushan Giado of Motoring Middle East and, of course, Mr. Noel Ebden. Noel, all well? Yeah, very good.
1: Just came back from holiday. Great stuff. imtashan' have you been holidaying? Absolutely fantastic because I just came back from Salala a couple of weeks ago and I think I need to go out there again.
0: So Salala for imtashan Noel? uk oh yes
2: the hot uk Costa del (laughs) uk exactly yeah brilliant (laughs)
0: we're going to get more details on both of those before we go any further though i'm going to take full advantage of standing in for mr damien reed who apparently is trying to get his alfa romeo going at the moment um uh in and around the outbacks of australia uh to ask a question that's come in from uh tom in knowledge village promise it's got nothing to do with anyone that might be sat in the studio. Question that's been part and parcel of the Urquhart household over the summer holiday. Um, Daughter turns 18 in December. We've just booked her driving lessons. She wants to learn in an automatic. Her old mum and dad want her to learn in a manual. What should children learn in these days, Noel? Her argument
2: is she's never going to need to drive a manual. Yeah, I mean, unless she develops a sudden interest in classic cars, uh, then <laughs> which with the modern generation probably not. I yeah, she's probably right. Um, although interestingly, I've got a story we're going to talk about a little bit later, which might flip that on its head. But mm. she's yes, in general, she's probably
1: right. um in this country, obviously, almost every car you buy on sale is an automatic. So technically, I agree with Noel, but technically, I don't because I'm going to be contrary. Um, <laughs> the thing is. I think driving a manual makes you a better driver. It makes you alert, makes you sharper, makes you aware of how the machine works. And it's clunky and it's slow and it's frustrating and it takes years to figure it out. But you will be so attuned to the way traffic is because you'll be checking your gear shifts and all that. Whatever car you drive, whatever car I drive, I'm better because I drove a manual when I started off
0: yeah I think that's a really good argument and and then and whilst we're blessed here in very many ways show there are parts of the world that you might find yourself in and you hire a car you borrow a car that you can only get a find of a manual if you end up in Cyprus
1: or somewhere yes you might never, and the UK used to be a manual haven but now I think it's pretty automatic you know, yeah. people are just not tired of tired of the traffic I get it mm. but learn how to drive it what's, what's the harm in learning a skill exactly
0: that right yeah. let's kick things off with experiences from our guests uh Imtushan, the escalade the all new escalade you've test driven it how did you find it uh
1: it is great uh it's very expensive I was looking up the cost right now it's in the 300 to 400 and a lot uh, margin 6.2 liter v8 if you care about that sort of thing uh it's basically a um clotted cream it's just like a really nice soft pillow bed to go down the road even on 22 inch wheels it's incredibly comfy it's packed with gadgets and gizmos i think the highlight for me is the stereo 36 speakers
0: 36 because you need the.: i counted them you?
1: they're 36 it has all sorts of surrounds and this and that and you get into it and turn it up and you're like okay it's not that great and then i, I promise
2: you turn it up it becomes a concert hall. It's incredible. Uh, wow. No thoughts on that one. I'm just surprised you compared an escalator to clotted cream. That was, I'm still trying to get over that <laughs> one. Um, yeah, I've not. I've been away, so haven't driven much. Um, but uh, I did have quite a good experience because I went to motorcycle speedway racing in the uk took my kids um it was very family friendly did they want to go they did actually yeah they were actually surprisingly yeah uh, they were super excited what we learnt was don't stand on the corners when the bikes go past because you get sprayed with gravel so we learned that quite quickly and moved backwards. Um, but, yeah, amazing. 16 races in a couple of hours. Uh, really good Again, fun. we've heard about you. What did the kids, kids <laughs> enjoy? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, they they seem to enjoy it. Let's put it that way. But well, they didn't have much choice. Exactly. I dragged them it is, a, it is a unique experience, isn't it? Speedway. Yes, absolutely. It's so small and it's so hectic. And then it all goes quiet and everyone stands around and has a chat. As I said, it's super family friendly. They were clearly like older people, they're retirees who go every single time because they all knew each other as they're walking in. They are all greeting each other and things. It was really nice, really, really good atmosphere. Possibly the most dedicated fans that you'll ever meet in the world. Absolutely, yeah. And also you can get right up into the pits. Um, You can't actually physically walk in the pits, but they're... 10 meters away from you and you can see the guys working on the bikes and stuff it's really kind of old school it's uh, it's brilliant really good
0: Tishan, from two wheels to four wheels to uh, speedway not your
1: thing is that right to say oh yeah fairly yeah. i least like fixing up all cars perfect
0: um, yeah so let's get to the nissan patrol if we can um, a question coming in uh, since we've all been away and a, a sort of regular question as well The Nissan Patrol,
1: will this be with us forever? You've been doing some uh, inspections on this one. Well, so the Nissan Patrol will be around forever because they'll keep updating it. The Y62 model, that's the big one that you see that's going to be around. That's getting a new update coming out very soon. I think it's going to be a twin turbo like the uh, Land Cruiser. So they all sort of benchmark each other what is not potentially going to be I should stress I should stress very clearly this is a rumour but it is from my side as a journalist a very well checked rumour that I hear on extremely good authority he says again that the older patrol the Y61 you know the boxy one that's always flashing you in the left lane that's going away Mm. and that is Well, reasons undisclosed, but if you read between the lines, it's quite thirsty. It is quite old tech. Uh, It sells in quite small numbers, but a very dedicated following out here, as you can imagine. And I think it's time is up. Now, again, I should stress this is not confirmed. And I'm waiting for a statement from Nissan, which is obviously going to say, no, it isn't. But that's what they would say. But... It's kind of anachronism. As a car, it's why has it been around all this time? Because obviously there's not already the a safety gadgets in case most, I should have nothing wrong with it, but it is a car that dates back essentially to 1998.
0: Mm. As you mentioned, uh, a very dedicated fan base here in the region. You just have to get on the road to work that one out. Um, one of the arguments that's been proffered at the moment is fuel price um, and
1: the fact that that's making people think twice. Is it? Yeah, absolutely. If you drive a Nissan Patrol, you'll know. That's oof, 400 dirhams. That gets lucky to get 350, kilometers to a tank. I mean, yeah, it is incredibly thirsty. But it is from a different era. You can't blame the old girl for being what it is. But yeah, if you're driving a car, like I was look, I went to the Suzuki show the other day to look at a Jimny because I thought this makes perfect sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: No, Patrol... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I love them. I, I mean, I've driven one off road. Uh, they are awesome off road. Um, it'd be a shame to see it go if it, if it does go. But um, yeah, I mean, it has been around. It's getting a bit long in the tooth, isn't it? So, but uh, a rally car, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many of them were chopped? Uh, you know, chopped down to into rally cars. But there's definitely been a shift in the UAE. I've seen people selling their mm. uh, V8 trucks and things like this because the fuel price has basically d- more than doubled. Yeah, um, and it used to be you know affordable, and now it's become less affordable do a compare and contrast if you can
0: even if it's possible because you mentioned that you've been on holes etc you've been down to the speedway etc so you haven't been driving as many cars as usual but you have driven the koenigsegg cc 850
2: no i i this has just been announced oh Um, it's just been announced it's just been announced this is uh, i'd like to say a, a sort of a moment in automotive history okay they it's Koenigsegg have come out with a car that has an automatic and a manual gearbox. Ah. How they've done this m- magic, have I have really for Tom's no clue. Daughter. Daughter. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. This leads ni- segues nicely back. Um, <laughs> I have no clue how they've done this. Uh, the engineering is way beyond my knowledge. But uh, yeah, you can drive it as an automatic and then you can shift it across and actually shift gears like a normal manual. That is Can I give the engineering background on how this works? In you're case for it. the three people, I'll
1: it. make this very short. <laughs> so basically, you've got like a double clutch gearbox that you get in your Golf GTIs and that sort of thing. This is the same sort of thing, but it doesn't go in sequence. All the clutches line up so you can go from any gear to any gear, you can go from two to four, or vice versa. Whereas in a double clutch, you go two, three, four, and you drive a normal car two, three, four, five. If you skip gears, you're very bad. So what this, all this does really is basically adds electronic control. So the clutch is simulating what the gearbox would do if it was a manual and similarly it's basically just telling the clutches which gear to pick that's all it's doing so it's kind of like a fancy electronic button Hmm. but they can say they can simulate the feel of a clutch picking up which again is tom's daughter was going why are you making me do this (laughs) (laughs)
0: and i suppose from the
1: uninitiated
0: why why do this
2: yeah i mean there is still a a core group of supercar buyers that want a manual car Uh, every time porsche bring out a the, the last nine eleven with a manual gearbox, which is never the last one, the, it's it, it sells out instantly, and it's it's seen as the as as I was saying earlier on, you know, it, it, how driving a manual is something completely yeah. different to an automatic, and so people see that as the kind of the the top echelon of mm. of these cars. So. Uh, there will always, I, will there always be? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, as we all get older and the new next it one gen upmanship. come along, I don't know. Is it one-upmanship from various
1: motoring grognards who are just going like, oh, well, I know how to drive a car better than you do? Hmm.
2: Yeah, is it, is it the advanced motoring test of old, uh, you know, being able to drive a manual? Possibly. Um, I can tell you why Koenigsegg did it. Because
1: Christian von Koenigsegg, which means king of kings in his native language, <laughs> uh, interesting name, <laughs> is basically <laughs> an engineering nerd. And he loves coming up with different ways to do things. And he just said, because I could. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice way to
2: He, by the way, is a – I interviewed him uh, about eight, nine years ago, and he is absolutely fascinating. Mm. Sort of guy you could talk to all night. Uh, definitely a dinner party guest. <laughs>
0: So just to wrap up on this one before we go to a quick break, um, as you said, haven't driven it yet. When would you? When, when are you likely to be able to drive this and when are we a bit likely to be able to buy one as well?
2: Um, so the answer to both of those is never. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will never get to drive this car. They've made 50 units only right. and they're all already sold. Oh, really? Yeah. Gone. And, we, and I have no idea what the price is because there's no information Private sales. and they were sold directly to customers and no one knows. Okay. So.
0: We're going to move on to looking at accidents a little later on. But before that, let's address uh, the topic of evs electric vehicles couple of stories in uh, the press in the last couple of weeks uh, with regards to well there's a story every day about evs in the press these days but dodge releasing uh, a concept electric car that's also a muscle car apparently it's louder than a chainsaw when revving we got the thoughts uh, of matthew doveson about this one a little earlier on um loud electric cars are we good with this noel
2: Yeah, I think it's the thing that's missing. Uh, I've got nothing against electric cars. I'm a petrol head, but, you know, EV's interesting as well. But it's always been the sound that's been their downfall. And uh, so if you can put sound to it, happy days, yeah. But as loud as a chainsaw, Emtoshan?
1: This thing is so strange to listen to. I don't know if you've heard the clip of it, but it sounds like a hyperactive chainsaw. It doesn't sound like a muscle car, but it's got so much presence. And it's such a weird Star Trek meets, you know, American muscle kind of sound. I've never heard anything like it. It's very, very fascinating.
0: Continuing the conversation on all things EV, study here in the UAE suggesting that the market's expected to increase at a compound annual growth rate. That sounds very business breakfast, uh, CAGR <laughs> of 150%. Uh, sharp rise in the need for EVs in the UAE.
1: Um, have we got the infrastructure
0: yet, Imtushan? Uh
1: Not yet, but Deva is working very quickly to put it all together. Uh, obviously, they, even they are taken aback, I think, by how fast people have taken up electric cars. They've been working on it very steadily, but now it's been such a compound annual growth rate of 150% <laughs> that they have to step it up, and they will, and they are.
0: Yeah, I mean, just personal experience of... Um, I had to go uh, not, not, ch- not I had a choice but I had to go to Mall of the Emirates yesterday after the show and you get up onto the the, the charging docks Tesla and I was there at about 10 past 10 yesterday morning all chock-a-block as well even mm. at that time yep. Is that sort of an indication of where we're at with EVs at
2: the moment? Yeah, I mean, we've all seen the clips online of uh, Tesla's lining up outside California to try and get a charge. And uh, if you work out the 40 minute charge of each and times it by the number of cars in the line, the guy at the back is going to be there tomorrow. So um, there does need to be more infrastructure. But um, as I say, that will come. And it's and it's not. You have to remember that it's not just building the infrastructure for now. The infrastructure is going to change because we won't need as much as batteries become better. So as batteries can be charged quicker, then you don't need as many, but you do need more because you've got more cars coming in. So it's a a balancing act to understand how much you're going to need
1: you think about it, you've got all these petrol stations, just charge them, in, t- turn, change them into charging bays, is what yeah. I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, you've got the parking, you've got the space, you've got the real estate, I mean, start dedicating sections of it. I know they are, and they're working on it, but you've got the spaces already, because right now it's a bit ad hoc. There's a business sets up a charging bay, like Mall of the Emirates, a back of a company sets up a charging bay, but use the petrol stations.
0: And you've got loads of urban developers out there scratching their head to do, with, to do what to do with uh, abandoned projects, building projects as well, which we find all around the city. There you are. You've got space that is there to be used. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of investment into that uh, in due course. Another one from our friends at the car dealerships here in the UAE. This one made me laugh. Uh, Article in Gulf News. Uh, Dealerships here ensuring only and and confirming that they will ensure only marginal price increases on 2023 model year launches in the coming weeks. Uh, Not put off any buyers worried about costs and inflation. They quoted Michael Ayat. The CEO of AWR Automotive increases will be limited to one, maybe 3% on the most popular models as well. Will they follow through?
2: Oh, well, they can say whatever they want because they haven't got any cars. So nobody, <laughs> none of the manufacturers have got any cars in stock. So you can make the price whatever you like, really. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that situation is going to uh, fix itself around the end of the year into 2023. But uh, so the supply chain catches up. But yeah, uh, will they? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, They've been riding this wave as
1: long as possible. And a lot of them have been marking up cars to absurd. I'm not going to name names, but a lot of dealers have been making hay while the sun, again, because there are no cars. You go into a car dealership in Sheikh Zayed Road, you're going to see empty showrooms. Mm. And that's a perfect place to make some money. They're completely entitled to do that, by the way, because it is a business. It's not a charity. But one to three percent, I don't think so. Unless demand really falls off, which I have heard is starting to happen. Mm. Because people can't get cars.
0: Let's turn our attention to the roads, if we can, gents, because um, unfortunately, uh, despite the roads being quieter at this time of year, we're also seeing reports of continuing accidents and uh, more distressingly accidents resulting in fatalities. It doesn't seem to be a matter of whether there are roads gridlocked or roads with fewer cars. Just a little glance um, over uh, the Motoring stories or the accident stories in the last couple of weeks. Two people dying last weekend when their car crashed into oncoming traffic in Dubai. A driver was trying to make a U-turn but didn't see the cars on the other side of the road. One accident occurred on Emirates Road recently in the direction of Sharjah again, uh, resulting in a flipped over vehicle. All of these, I could go through each and every one of them. To my mind, all preventable, null. Same old story. Doesn't matter what time of year it is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my big the bugbear with this for me is always that driving is about fourth on the list of important things to do for a lot of people whilst they're driving. Yeah. And uh, the solution is to everyone drive manuals. Because it's actually quite hard to, to, do, <laughs> to do anything else if you're driving a manual. I mean, you have to think about it. That's Whereas very true, yeah. with an automatic, you can. You know, people are checking their phones. I mean, I see it. I mean, I, I ride a motorbike. I must be mad, but uh, you know, and I, I, you can see into people's uh, windows as yeah. you go past, and you can don't see, do that. Noel. <laughs> you can see people. Uh, you can see people texting and having a McDonald's and what else. And at some point, they'll think about the driving side of it as well. And it's unfortunate, but you know, these things happen. It's it's inattention most of the time. Oh, it's I mean, if I can extend on that, I was coming in this morning late as usual. I saw
1: a gentleman driving accelerating past the same junction as me, all windows down. Obviously he just started off, the car was very hot. He had his unbelted kids roaming around in the back, and he was accelerating with one eye, actually both eyes, on his phone, and the other hand smoking a cigarette. I don't know which hand was driving the car. So you think about that exactly the point. I think all these stories you just mentioned, Tom, have exactly the same thing. Or nothing to do with the condition of the car or the roads. I mean, that's another problem where it rains. But mm. nobody's paying attention because driving is something you should take seriously. So give me an
0: engineering solution to this one, if you can, MT, because uh, a lot of people suggesting that the manufacturers, especially EV manufacturers or those turning to EV, need to do more because it seems to be the principle is making the driving process that much easier uh, for the driver um, with the car doing a lot more, which then obviously offers up the opportunity for them to check instagram tiktok and whatever else they want to be doing at the time so what can manufacturers
1: do well it's hard because you want to sell cars and to sell cars you make them easier and more comfortable and more luxurious i mean the escalate that i'm in which is fantastic has so many screens that i feel like i'm flying a 747 at points because there's screens telling me this telling me that and each one of them wants your attention because you're trained your brain is trained to look at a screen and pay attention to it, not the road where things are happening on a second by second basis. A lot of manufacturers had stuff going back to the early 2000s where attention assist, basically Mercedes is very good at this. They have a little camera looking at your face and if you're not looking at the road, they'll flash up a warning and they'll say that. So that's what you can do is add passive systems that are always monitoring the drivers. The problem is the drivers might turn that off. Mm. You can't stop them turning it off. But all you can do is tell the driver, listen, pay attention to this. Or make a manual gearbox, which I seems to the answer to do everything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we keep going back to the same point here, don't we?
0: <laughs> Could you have a manual electric
2: or not? Or is they that are. possible? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there are. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. They do exist. Um, clever, clever tech. But, uh, yeah.
1: you don't need to because there's so much talk you just put it in a gear and press play i mean you can text and drive a manual i have done this it's not easy but it's a more of a feat of engineering when you manage to text and drive don't do this but really <laughs> don't try this at home yeah, yes. or on sorry. Yeah. or admit to
2: this on the radio <laughs> absolutely
0: <laughs> just finally before we wrap up in fact i'm going to ask you to to stay with me because we're going to continue this conversation about all things evs with a special guest in just a few moments time but finally before we go to another short break noel um We've highlighted there that the roads have been quieter. They have been quieter because there has been a large exodus of people this summer, goes without saying. They're not going to remain quiet for long. And given the evidence we saw before the summer,
2: are we ready? Are the roads ready for the return? Most roads are ready, yes. I mean, the UAE is, uh, having come back from the UK, which is... Pot pothole central. Um, The UAE is blessed with really nice roads. Um, They're not all great. I mean, Hesse Street needs to be looked at as a a matter of urgency, and there's a few roads in Deera that need to be looked at. But in general, the roads here are very good. Um, The good thing about lots of traffic is people tend to be slower. So, Mm. therefore, the opportunity to go fast and have a major accident is less, um, unless you're outside of the city, and uh, then there's less traffic anyway. So it's a a trade-off. Are we ready, empty?
1: The opportunity you have when you're going slowly to look at your TikTok is also higher. So this is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> True. So yeah, lots sure. more
0: bumping of bumpers. That's what's going to be Slow, happening. Slow,
1: annoying accidents, which we, it happens, but try not to have it happen. And then people just decide to stay there in that lane and wait for someone yeah. to come and help them. Yeah? yeah, Yeah, I think the police are very clear about this, but people just still haven't got the message. Like, get off the road, use the apps, get your report in. You don't need to block the road.
0: Yeah, yep. and the app is very, very efficient indeed. We'll continue the conversation on all things EVs and, of course, data privacy in just a few moments' time. Uh, joining me here in studio are the motoring, motoring journalists Noel Ebden and Imtishan Ghiyado of motoring middle east uh, questions coming in from a number of our listeners this morning let's kick off this segment with a quick question to you both as well this one from alisa uh, i like it uh, a little icebreaker a good sort of uh, dinner party question uh, what was the first car all of you drove first in your life and would you ever get that car today Imtushan?
1: Oh no! Uh, the first car I ever drove would have been a Pontiac of some description in the U.S. It might have been a, yeah. Would you get it again? No, it was terrible. It was it was it was like a cookie. It crumbled all around me. But you know, I, my love of driving starts with that very first car. Uh,
2: Noel, over to you. I actually have no idea. I cannot remember what the first car I ever drove was. I, I my father had various cars that I he let me drive around a car park, but he had so many cars because he was a basically uh, he was in sales and had company cars, yeah. and he used to change them every six months. So I actually can't remember the first car I owned was a Mark One, Vauxhall Astra, which is an Opal to all you out there that don't know UK cars. Um, but yeah, and which I would hopefully never own another one. But uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, If you would like to share your thoughts on that We would like you to share uh, them with us as well A lot of people have been texting in as well uh, Saying can we please hear the sound of the Dodge Daytona Uh, You ask, we deliver Uh, Here is the sound of the 2024 Dodge Daytona SRT An EV that sounds apparently, allegedly like a muscle car Listen in and give us your thoughts sure that's the greatest uh, clip that we could get of that one but it gives you a little idea empty you're not convinced on this one
1: the, the clip wasn't the greatest but it does make the hair stand back up back of your neck when you actually hear it i think it sounds incredible it just sounds different to what muscle normally sounds like hmm. uh,
0: questions coming in as well glenn thank you very much indeed to you we'll get to yours shortly but uh, time now for us to turn our attention to data or data depending on where you're from, our data uh, can be accessed on our smartphones and other devices, even our household appliances. Today's cars uh, are themselves like smartphones with apps connected to the internet that collect huge amounts of data, some of which is highly personal. Most drivers have no idea. What data has been transmitted from their vehicles at any point, let alone who's exactly collecting, analysing and sharing that data? And who are they sharing it with? One organisation is looking specifically into this, Privacy for Cars, and that's privacy, the numeral for then cars, is based in the US. And we're speaking now to their founder, Andrea Amico, um, who joins us now live on the line.
3: Good morning to you, Andrea. Good morning to you, and thank you, Tom, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: No, it's great to have you with us as well. According to your website, um, this is an organisation that enables the automotive ecosystem to delete personal information from vehicles in a fast, traceable and cost-effective manner. Tell us a bit more about Privacy for Cars. Is it, is it an app or is it software?
3: Yeah, so it's an entire platform. Um, really, what happened is that seven years ago, I was running a big uh, auto inspection company. I realized how much data people were leaving behind. And and I was shocked. And, and there were no solutions for cars. If you think about it, there's really three devices that collect a lot of data from consumers. It's computers, it's smartphones, and it's cars. And nobody was doing anything for the last one. And so I thought, okay, that's what we're going to be doing. And, today we really become a a big standard here in the United States and Canada. And now we're moving overseas, including, of course, uh, in the Middle East and in the market where you're at in the UAE.
0: Who's who's getting access to our, or or to coin a phrase, mining our data these days when it comes to vehicles?
3: Oh, my, it's a long list. So today, we keep track of about 600 organisations that collect the data from your car. And of course, they sell it and share it to data brokers and all sorts of organizations. So your data goes in a lot more places than you think. And it's uh, uh, mostly unknown by consumers. Most have really no idea that any data is collected at all, let alone that it's going in so many places.
0: I mean, a lot of people tuning into the show this morning will go, Yeah, but what's the big deal here? I mean, we go into a a mall and we want free Wi-Fi, so we give over uh, all of our information. Same at airports, uh, same just about everywhere you go, you are asked to give your details. Why is it so significant when it comes to the data that you share with your vehicle?
3: So cars are very different, right? Um, First of all, uh, your device, your your smartphone, because many people use this, you know, you talked about cars being like smartphones, but a big difference is that your smartphone is, you know, you uh, it's very personal. You typically don't give it to anybody else. Surely you don't rent it to anybody else. And so, you know, there's a personal relationship between your device and yourself. Um, with cars, they're increasingly shared. And so, you know, you be rent your car today, and probably you'll notice there's maybe 10 people's phone's information sitting there, and what people don't realize is that all the data gets sucked out of your phone, gets in your car, the next person already can go through your phone stuff. And you will never instead unlock your phone and give it to a stranger. So that's that's a big difference. You know, Another big difference is that, uh, say, other IoTs, you buy a smart TV, well, until you connect it to your own Wi-Fi, that TV does not transmit anything. And so the consumer needs to take a clear action in order for this data flow to start. With cars, very often, they're activated at the factory, which is why most people have no idea that they're driving a giant smartphone in the first place. So, uh, again, there's there's a number of challenges. You're bringing... The other one is data security. Oh, yes, tell me. No, sorry, continue. Oh, yeah. The other challenge is data security, right? Because cars are, you know, 10, 15, 20 year old on the road, software is... Often not updated, and so now you have not only computers that are collecting data, but are very old, unpatched computers that are collecting data, and so they're, they're potentially much more easy to be hacked, as we've done many times in the past. And so this creates a lot of other additional concerns.
0: Are the manufacturers proactive in in, in warning customers about this potential pitfall?
3: Um, not really i mean you can uh, you know if you go on your favorite search engine you will find plenty of news about you know uh, vehicles being hacked or data being leaked and not only from manufacturers right because again your data now goes to many many companies um fleets often they're they're hacked nowadays um uh, now i know that you're interested in electric vehicles now now there's big concerns about charging stations being hacked and by the way extracting data from consumers and the data being hacked. Um, but this information is typically not at the fingertips or top of mind of consumers.
2: No. I was, I'm was. i interested in to know more about who it has access to this data. I mean, I'm aware that my phone connects to the car and that the data, for example, text messages can be shown on the screen, etc. But I wasn't aware that that data was accessible to external parties. And who, who are these external parties? And you know, how much data are they actually able to look at?
3: Oh, yeah. So the, the new cars collect, um, you know, typically a few terabytes of data every year. So it's a, it's a big stack of hard drives. Right. So um, uh, if you look at much more advanced vehicles, um, you know, Tesla, for example, you're looking at tens of terabytes of data collected every year from people um, for, per car. Right. Um, so the data goes. From the manufacturer, if we're talking just about original equipment, uh, you know, original equipment that was installed in the car. So let's exclude the aftermarket telematics, which is an entire other ball of wax. But this data goes from there to um, marketplaces, their third parties, the third parties of the third parties, and so on and so forth. So let's make a simple example, right? You punch in, um, you say you wanna you wanna go to the airport, okay? And of course. That means that your geolocation go, is now entered into your, you know, your infotainment system. Well, what people don't realize is that that geolocation is going to be transmitted essentially second by second to your manufacturer, but not just the manufacturer. If your car has traffic information, that's typically a third party. Now they know your second by second geolocation as well. Uh, you may have weather notices, so that goes to other parties as well. Um, the company makes the software. Sometimes you get a stream of this information. Um, if you may have attached insurance to your car, your insurance may know not only where you're going, but at what speed you're going, how much you're steering, braking, what's your behavior, and build a profile out of that. And now we actually start to see how, this data is not only affecting, for instance, how much you pay in insurance, but how much the car is going to be worth in the future. And again, people don't realize that this tracking is happening. Um, and then, of course, this data is also sold to you know, all sorts of companies out there. Um, uh, I don't know if you realize this, wow. but there's cars that now have a yeah. lot of you know, in-cabin monitoring. Hmm. And so it started with a safety feature, as many of these things started, um, to determine, are you alert? Are you looking at the road or not? But now they also have AI that tries to determine what's your emotion. Are you hungry? Uh, should we suggest you to go to the next rest stop or next restaurant, and by the way, it has a deal with the manufacturer to, you know, bring you over there? That this is happening as we speak
0: i got another question from Imtishan down here, Andrea. Imtishan, over to you.
1: So, uh, basically, I'm now never leaving the house, Andrea, so thank you very much for this. <laughs> um, I just want to ask, right, obviously consumers are used with their devices. And if you think about it, consumers have a transmitter in their hands at all times, which is telling the entire world where they are, what they're going to eat, and how fast they're getting there, and how bored they are on the way there. Can we just not do some sort of global toggle where the consumer gets in and says, I don't want any information transmitted? Is there like an agreement that they can just log into the car and say, not today? Is that something people can do or is there no appetite from consumers for such a uh, process?
3: First of all, consumers have an incredible appetite and the world of privacy and data uh, data privacy and and laws that regulate it is moving really fast. Um, I mean, it's easy to forget that it was just six years ago, the General Data Protection Regulation, which is, you know, the regulation that was passed in the U.S., arguably still the strongest privacy protection there is in the world, uh, was passed again just six years ago. Uh, but things are moving at breakneck speed. Um, in fact, just a January 2nd, in the UAE, the government enacted a, a data law that is a, a pivotal part of this project of the 50, and uh, again, it came into effect January 2nd, I think many companies and definitely many consumers do not realize that this has happened but now there's a new office it's called the emirates data office that is in charge of um, overseeing the implementation again with the objective of creating protections for consumers and to regulate companies into safeguarding this data
0: data can be accessed on our smartphones other devices even household appliances well you know what the car that you're driving today's cars are like smartphones themselves with apps connected to the internet they collect huge amounts of data some of which is highly personal what's happening to that data it is being shared. One organisation that's looking into the pitfalls here is Privacy for Cars. They're normally based in the US and we've uh, been catching up with their founder Andrea Amico who's been kind enough to stay with us live on Microsoft Teams this morning. Andrea again thank you for your patience there and just a quick question because uh, we know that you're based over in the United States and that's where your, your major market is at the moment. What about potential here in the UAE? Can we see Privacy for cars coming to the UAE anytime soon?
3: Yeah, actually, uh, earlier this year, we joined forces with a local group. It's called the XA Group. They are wonderful partners. They are uh, provide technology to a number of automotive companies. And uh, and actually, we don't do not only this in the UAE with them, but uh, the entire Middle East and actually even India and Australia and New Zealand. So, so yes, our hope is that we can bring this uh, solution of privacy and security to consumers and to companies. Uh, uh, across your entire market.
0: You mentioned the Data Protection Acts a little earlier on in our conversation. Do you see potential here working with authorities in the UAE?
3: Yeah, so I think there's two ways of looking at this, right? One is, of course, privacy laws are passing. And so companies have uh, more and more interest in, in, in complying with those laws and uh, making sure that they're doing the proper things to protect the data that is collected by their cars especially when those cars exchange hands, right? When cars are rented, when cars are sold, when you're returning your lease, you want to make sure that data doesn't go in the hands of somebody else. Um, but it's also a, a, you know, a, a good customer care, right? I mean, would you want your data to go in the hands of somebody else when you sell your car? So um, in fact, uh, here, our experience in the United States and other markets is that companies realize that protecting the data is actually a really good business. Um, especially if you're one of the first to do it in your market. It's something else you can do to convince your customer you need to return a lease, return it to my dealership, not to do one across across town. You want to rent a car, rent it from me, not from the other guys. Um, And so, again, my hope is that uh, also in this market with the guidance of our local partners, the, the XA group will be able to bring more solutions to more consumers.
0: You're bringing that tech solution to the table at the moment, and uh, hopefully that's going to see a, a great amount of success here in the UAE. Uh, just before we let you go, Andrea, what's your what's your key piece of advice, your one piece of advice to motorists, how to protect their data when getting into cars at the moment?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the first thing to do is be aware because uh, knowledge is power. And then ask companies to do the right thing. There are actually many ways of doing it. Uh, You can find resources on our website, which is Privacy for Cars. But just ask your dealer, delete my data and give me proof that it's actually happening. Because many say they do it, but they actually don't. Uh, When you rent a car, same thing. Ask what is happening with my data and can I opt out? Um, And you can also go and look on the websites of your Uh, manufacturers, uh, there are ways for you to request that your data is protected. Uh, Again, we're trying to take all that manual work out of people because they don't know uh, to do it. They don't know how to do it. And so we try to be good steward of the data and act on the, the best interests of consumers.
0: Andrea, really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Uh, grazie mille to you uh, and all the team at Privacy for Cars. Thank you so much indeed. Uh, and
3: hopefully we'll see you sometime soon in the UAE. I look forward to doing that. Thank you for having me this morning. Thank you.
0: Big thanks to uh, Andrea for joining us live on the line. Uh, We have got Nolan Impty still with us here in studio as well. A couple of things to wrap up on uh, here. A quick question that's come through with regards to our discussion on all things EV. This from Glenn W. Um, Glenn says, surely fellas, the answer to the charging infrastructure issue is removable and replaceable batteries. Just drive in, flat batteries out, charge batteries in and off you go in five to ten minutes. There's no need to wait around i can't stand why no ev manufacturer has come up with this solution so forth so far any thoughts uh,
2: this was muted around um at the beginning when evs first sort of hit the road of having a shared architecture but there's a big problem to that one nobody agreed on it so they all have different shaped batteries secondly the batteries on most evs to keep the weight as low as possible are in the chassis mm. so actually getting them out and slide, sliding them in and out would be... They are really designed to be interchangeable, e- yeah, but it's are, a workshop
1: yeah. job. By yeah. the way, I'll add one more point to know before we wrap up quickly. Batteries are really heavy. It's not like your AAAs that you buy at for. These are massive. How much is it, 50, 70, yeah, 100 kilos at least. Kilos, yep, at yep, least. Yep. You can't... A two, a two, three, four-man job to change a battery. Hmm.
2: So you couldn't it do it. It some yeah. doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Also, as well, you don't want to be messing around with that kind of electricity uh, as uh, well because uh, you know it's going to have to be saved. There's so, I mean, there's so much to that. Yeah, very difficult
0: Uh, right where can we wrap things up you've been listening to Motor Mania where we can wrap things up with who's been driving down the Sheikh Zayed Road recently driving towards Emirates Towers uh, from Media City have you seen the massive new showroom on the right hand side as you go down Uh, big black building uh, with the words pupils of fate outside or pupil of fate
2: Um, you fellas have been there what is it Noel it is well it's the old Toyota showroom Mm. that has been crafted into an absolutely beautiful luxury Exotic car emporium, I would call it. That's probably the best way to describe it. Uh, Empty and I were both there the other night um, at the launch, which was spectacular. And uh, yeah, they clearly uh, have—they're um, not—they're not skimping on anything. Let's put it that way.
0: So, what is it, Empty? A car lover's Shangri-La? Is it?
2: It's a mix of old and new. You've got some great classics in there, a lot
1: of Porsches, but also the latest in high-end metal. We're talking McLarens, we're talking Pagani's, uh, even some really cool stuff that I haven't seen before. Sort of the new Jimbala off-road car. They've got stuff in there that defies description. So you you owe it to yourself to get down there and check it out. If you've got the cash, well, you know what to do. Because some of these cars are simply not available, even if you're on the best list. So to get in there and get them, just pick it up is pretty much a hell of a privilege.
0: And... It sets itself apart from other uh, conglomerate luxury showrooms. that so we've got quite a few here in the city.
1: Decor, style and taste. They've got a great cigar lounge in the back. Most car dealerships out there, if you've seen all of them, and I don't want to name names, but they all had them sticking, just they had the cars sitting there like you're in a fish market. Mm. And this one presents the cars in such a beautiful package.
2: Nice. What's yeah. the best car in there at the moment? Oh, the Pagani. <laughs> oh. I'd, I'd have that in a heartbeat
1: <laughs> I would say the Maserati MC12 which is the, f- the even prettier version of the Enzo I haven't seen one of those in a while
2: absolutely stunning machine go check it
0: out pupil of fate open now
2: to the public or not I believe so yeah and okay. they've also got an open door policy as well so you can just go really? in there it's not a uh, it's not like a uh, Louis Vuitton showroom where there's a guy on the door checking you out it's, it's going to be in.
0: Instagram haven
2: isn't indeed, it indeed
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> gentlemen I can't thank you enough for your time on a Saturday morning uh, MTP. People want to get in touch with you and the team. How
1: do they get in touch with you? Motoring Middle East on Instagram and YouTube. Uh,
0: Mr. Noel, how do people get in touch with you? Noel Libden on Instagram. Uh, do get in touch with the fellas. Uh, thank you so much indeed for uh, your time and your expertise this morning. This is Motor Mania. On the UAE's number one talk radio station. Dubai Eye 103.8. With a strange voice this morning. Mine, of course. It's the only interactive car show on the radio. My name's Tom Urquhart. I'm here for Mr. Damien Reed, who is back in his hometown taking his overhauled classic Alfa Romeo for a spin, allegedly. Uh, are people back in town from their summer holidays? This is the time when people make big automotive decisions. We'll find out uh, how many of you are buying, selling, or trading at the moment. So, here's what's coming up over the course of the next couple of hours. I'll be joined by our regulars, uh, Imtishan Ghiado of Motoring Middle East, Noel Ebden. Uh, they'll give us a roundup of what's happening in the world of wheels live in studio a little later on. And as we step into the world of intelligent and connected vehicles, we need to ask how much we're risking in terms of giving away our data. Uh, we'll be joined by the founder of US based Privacy for Cars, Andrea Amigo. Uh, we'll be playing some tunes if you're on a road trip as well send in your request now to 4001 or whatsapp us on 04871 5500 Uh, in fact let's give that a theme if we can yeah we've got uh, a couple of songs to play throughout the course of the next couple of hours Um, you might well have come back from your summer vacay why am i using the word hate it summer holiday Uh, you come back from your summer holiday what's been your driving tune of the holiday Uh, quite often you will have songs that are uh, synonymous with certain summers so what has been the song the driving song for the summer of 2022 for you okay time now for us to uh, get down to a little bit of this fix it or flip it Time for a bit of fix it or flip it. Tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it's worth. It's as simple as that. How does it work? Easy. We need details about your car. Make, model, year, colour, mileage. That's all we need. Send them now to 4001 or via the ARM Play app or even better, pick up the phone and call us on 048715500. Let's do those again. Send them now to 4001 or via the ARM Play app or even better, pick up the phone and call us on, this is the number, zero four. Eight seven one five five zero zero. as I mentioned Damien Reed is away at the moment we are allowed to uh, he is allowed uh, the odd day off now and again he's doing what he does best driving at the moment in his home country uh, so they thought it would be a good idea to give the reins and the buttons to a bloke who doesn't know a carburetor from a Catholic converter but worry not. Because it's not all down to Tom. In fact, it's all down to uh, our array of experts, our motoring experts. And we're joined by the first of them, now joined by the valuation guru, Matthew Davidson, who's the head of pricing at Algo Driven. Matthew, good morning to you. Any downtime during the summer? Morning, Tom. You're back in the driver's seat. (laughs) I am. As long as it's an automatic, I'm fine.
4: Yeah, eight-speed automatic transmission, you'll be fine. Um, Yeah, I went across to the UK during the summer. Um, Like everyone, was shocked that it was just as hot as Dubai, but nevertheless, still had a good time.
0: Did you try and hire a car during the summer at any point?
4: I didn't. You'll be pleased to know. I mean, my trip... uh, Consisted of. Uh, we flew into London. We we spent time with friends and and family in London. Then we caught the train down to the southwest, Devon and Cornwall, uh, and that, that's a lovely way to do it, by the way. Because as you get into Devon, um, it runs by the coast, Um so it was beautiful scenery. Um, and then uh, I had the luxury of a family to uh, to obviously have us ferried ferried around. So yeah, I avoided hiring a car, but I understand that the the prices oh, and everything was horrendous.
0: Extraordinary prices being charged. It wasn't just in the UK as well. It seemed to be pretty much across Europe this summer. Um, uh, something to do with the lack of cars and the fact that fleets were decimated during COVID-19. And I'm assuming as well that now that the demand is out there, uh, that uh, hire car companies are just taking advantage of that demand and charging what they can.
4: Yeah, and we had a situation now where particularly the UK had opened up. So you had everybody that that lives there enjoying their summer holidays there because they're still not traveling as much. But conversely, you had everyone flying in because it was easier to travel to the UK versus other destinations around the world. So I think that coupled with a shortage of of cars, particularly new cars, um, you know, it was always going to be a nightmare to hire one.
0: Right, we are. Lots to get through with Matthew throughout the course of this morning. You know the numbers. Uh, the text messages are coming in already, which is great news. Keep your thoughts coming in, 4001. Uh, let's get to some of the big talkers of the morning. One of the stories that uh, Matthew has alerted us to about is the fact that Dodge have uh, have made an electric vehicle that's also a muscle car. Two descriptions that shouldn't really go together in the same sentence, but they do there now, because it's an electric car that makes a noise and some noise. The Charger Daytona has exhaust pipes that make noise and a transmission that shifts gears. None of that is necessary in an electric car, of course, but Dodge assume, assumes its target customer isn't looking for what's strictly needed. Um, so will this make customers go out and get a macho EV? Matthew, your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I mean, from a guy that's... That, that loves cars loves v8s v10s v12s um you know i also am an owner of an electric car and i like it to be quiet and to do what it's meant to do and i like jumping into those um legacy cars so i'm not a big fan of uh, of why the the manufacturers feel the need to try and add engine sounds to an electric car maybe i'm wrong i mean but from my perspective it it, it it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, an electric car, when I when I get into my Tesla and I'm driving and it's silent and it's quick and I zip around, you know, I really love it. But then when I want to do a track day or something and... And, and jump in a V8, V10. That's a completely different experience, but I don't need anybody to merge the two together.
0: I mean, there is the argument out there that there is a, a safety argument to be had here. Uh, pedestrians, especially in this age when a lot of people have got earphones or earbuds in or whatever that might be. Um, is, is there any traction in that?
4: Well, uh, all, all of these cars, when they're reversing, they make quite uh, like a UFO type sound, actually, when they're reversing. So they they, they they have that. But when they're driving on the road, I mean, in fairness, modern cars, particularly four cylinders and, and hybrids, if you've got headphones in, you're not hearing that versus yeah. versus the sound of a, of a car coming along. I, I, you know, it sounds harsh, but I think people should look where they're going. Uh, that's the first priority um, But yeah, I, I don't think that's that's the, the glaring issue that you need to make an electric car when it's driving along make noise because of that. I don't think that's the issue. Um, but it, I just think it. I just think these legacy manufacturers mm. they're trying to hang on to you know what made their existing cars great, A- and they're fearful of the future. They 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 don't know how to build these cars, and they don't have the experience yet to build these cars. And I'm not sure they know what their customers want.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned that point about legacy manufacturers. And you think about muscle cars. We've all been uh, in an underpass when a muscle car comes alongside us and just decides to rev just for the the sake of revving in an underpass or otherwise. Um, I I suppose that it, it comes down to a decibel argument, doesn't it? Because, yeah, all good and well, you having a sound if you want to sort of try and maintain that part of the legacy. But as loud as a chainsaw,
4: yeah, I mean the the Dodge Charger, the new the, the new EV that they're building. Um, they're proud to announce it. It's as loud as a chainsaw, one hundred and twenty-five decibels. But when when you watch, if you go onto YouTube and you, and you look it up, it's, it just sounds like an angry vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't sound very cool to me. Maybe maybe the the final polished product will be better. Um, and maybe it's better when it's when it's flying along. But yeah, I i'm i'm lost on it i mean we we want we don't particularly want to do that do we add add noise in for the for the sake of it i i, I get i get whilst these these older cars have noise and and what what that's what makes them great but you know we're, we're, we're moving into a brave new world and mm. we've got to embrace it uh, i i don't want i don't want noise injected into electric cars but again only my my point of view and it's very subjective
0: let's get to those messages now first up uh, this one from Lucille, and you're going to like this one matthew have a little listen to Lucille. she sent us uh, this message uh she has an almost vintage lexus
3: i have a um, lexus rx 300 the year manufactured was 2000 I bought it second-hand from a friend. When I got it from her, the mileage was $176,000. I ran it to almost $900,000. i am really trying to bridge reach- one million before I park it in front of the Lexus showroom. I'm sure I've changed most of the parts in the engine part, um, mostly because of the age. No new parts are available, so we have to scout around uh, the second hand spare parts market in Charger most of the time when it needs repair. It has not been a problematic one, it's just been a great car. It's been insured, it's still running. I use it every day. I just want to know if there is any value to it.
0: Where do I start? A two thousand Lexus with nine hundred thousand plus uh, K's on the clock. It was secondhand originally. She's gunning for a million kilometres value. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, first of all, twenty-two year old car, fantastic that it's still going. But it is a Lexus, which is the luxury arm of Toyota, and we know how reliable Toyota engines are. But you know, to give you some context, Tom, uh, you know, a million miles is is. 25 times circumventing the globe. So if you if you went around the world 25 times, that's a million kilometers. So that's how far that car's driven. Um, in terms of value, yeah, um, any running car, any running car, reliably running car, and it sounds like it's still running, is going to be worth 10 to 12k. Um, you know that that Lexus. She she could sell that for 10 to 12k. Um, But, you know, really, what what are you going to get to replace it for that kind of money? She may as well keep running and running until it gives up, as she says, when she'll park it outside the (laughs) Lexus shop as a museum piece
0: a museum piece or or hope let's just take. wait for them to get to the million and they go for the trade and then see what Lexus do we'll see what they come up with then
4: that's very interesting Uh, there was a a guy many many years ago that did a a million miles so that's 1.6 million uh, kilometers did a million miles in a Golf and Volkswagen paid him something I can't remember the number but it was obscene like 200,000 euros or pounds or something to buy this car back because they wanted to (laughs) get it into the lab and understand it Um, so you know, maybe potentially some money to be made there. Yeah,
0: quite right. To the messages now, Kyron's been in touch. I do the daily commute to Abu Dhabi, so an electric car is becoming very appealing to me. The VW ID. Four, well-priced, good size, and seems well-rounded for the purpose. Uh, uh, question for Matthew, do GCC models exist? If not, what are my risks buying a non-GCC model with no kilometres on the clock. Uh, as it's non-GCC, is it possible to do repairs in the UAE?
4: Great question. Um, only a few weeks ago, I think about four weeks ago, Damien and I were talking exactly about this topic, the ID four, because Volkswagen haven't launched this car yet in this region. It's still under testing, uh, hot weather testing and things like that. Um, and, and there's a lot of Chinese great imports coming in. Look, the disadvantage is you will not have a warranty you will not be able to take it to the to, to Volkswagen for servicing. Um, and more importantly, things like global recalls, so, uh, which happen quite often on cars, if there's a global recall on that car, you will have nowhere to take it. Um, so that there are a lot of risks associated with it. In terms of repairs, I suppose it depends what the repairs are. If they're, if they're um, parts on the car that uh, are legacy, things like, you know, brakes and, and suspension arms and things like that. I'm sure there's plenty of people that can fix them. But when it comes down to more serious issues, like issues with a computer or things that uh, affect the, the um the ev components then that might be a lot more difficult i i always stand by saying buy a gcc car simply because you know it's been sold out of um, the dealer here in the uae you know you can trace it back to the original kilometers and you know you're protected but there are some great savings sometimes to be made by rolling the dice with these gray imports and that's why they do sell
0: kiron i hope that one helps uh, we'll have more from matthew in just a few moments time fix it
3: or flip it
0: Tell us about your car We'll tell you how much It's worth uh, I say we uh, Well the man that can Will uh, The car guru Matthew Davidson Is with us Throughout the course Of this first hour uh, How does it work It's really easy We need details About your car Make, model, year Colour, mileage You can send them Now to 4001 uh, Or via the AirM play app uh, Fahed Good morning to you Yes good morning How are Hi. you Pam? We're very well Thanks very much indeed For your call this morning We very much appreciate it What's your question For Matthew
5: Right, so I bought a seven-seater for my wife, uh, a BMW uh, X5, uh, two years ago, but then she, you know, opted for a sportier car, so now I'm stuck with a very big car that I'd like to, you know, switch to a more sporty option. Um, and, you know, with the second-hand market as a semiconductor, I felt I can get good value for my car and maybe upgrade it.
0: Matthew, over to you. Yeah, morning. Thanks for calling in.
5: Morning, Matthew
4: few questions for you. Um, first of all, um, I'll need the year of, of the X5, the kilometers, and also it will have a trim level like a 35i or a 50i. Can you tell me all of those?
5: Right, so it's a 2020 make. Um, it has an M kit, uh, so it's a 4.0 M kit, uh, GCC spec, so still has the warranty and the service uh, uh, running uh, with a 45k. I, I believe that's your questions.
4: Yeah, I mean that car with, with the forty I trim is probably I'd say about two eighty five to two ninety in the market right now with those kilometers. Um you you need to get into the headline that it's a seven seater because the X five, about nine out of ten of those cars are five seaters. Okay. There's Correct. Yeah, there's very few seven seaters uh, and they're actually the ones that people want because when they're not using the seven seats, they've got that that lovely uh, that luggage space in the trunk. So look, promote promote in the headline. You know, it will have a warranty, of course, and it will have a service contract. So mention these things. But I think the key thing that you want at the beginning of your advert is this is a seven seater. But I would start I would start around that kind of 285 five two ninety
5: if i get 290 that that'll
0: be an amazing deal Farhad,
5: thank
4: i think you really. will i
5: think you will best
0: of luck with that one fahad hope it helped thanks very much indeed for your call this morning all the best and happy driving for you okay let's get to line number one we got simon joining us now live on the line he's got an armada hey simon good morning to you good morning tom how are you not too bad my friend what's your question for matt
5: yeah, um, really. Uh, it's been a so great family car, seven seater. Nice to hear that people want seven seaters from Matthew. And good morning to him. Um, but we've got two hundred and fifteen on the clock. We're thinking: do we, you know, drive it into the ground, or see if we can flip it and, and get a, a, a new model? Because I know they're not being made anymore either. So,
0: Matt, over to you. Yeah, morning. What
4: what year is it? it's um 2009 i think 2009 yeah and it's an le model white yeah with yeah, beige the interior. 5.6 v8 know the car super well um i think realistically in this market especially with those kilometers it's early 20s 20 21 right. 22 um if you wanted to move it quite quickly you could be a little bit more aggressive and put it out there at nineteen thousand fixed price um You know, I talk about this all the time, this tactic where it just makes life easier to sell it if you're listing it yourself. Because when people message you and that's mostly how people are going to contact you, you can say, this is the car. This is a story with it. It's 19. I'm not going to change my mind. If you want to pay that, come and see it. If you don't, no problem. And then that way you save that. The painful part of selling the car, which is taking the time. You probably got to wash the car ahead of the viewing um, and then someone comes along and offers you something silly like twelve, fourteen thousand. 14,000. So, um, yeah, I think that's the route I'd go. Um, the alternative is run it for a little bit longer if it is going going well, because, you know, you're not going to get anything to replace it of that size and, and and that capacity. And it's great for the family, as you said. So, you know, weigh up your options. But if it is starting, you think maybe there's some problems on the horizon, you know, move it sooner rather than later.
5: All right, Matthew. Thanks very much. Really
0: appreciate that. Great advice, Simon. Bless you. Thanks very Thank much indeed for your uh, call this morning. How are you doing,
5: Manish? I'm doing well, Tom. How's good. It going?
0: We're all good now. Matthew is all ears. Tell him your make, your model, your year, your colour, your mileage, and your question.
5: Sure. So I'm looking to sell my Jeep 2019 Cherokee model, uh, limited edition. It's not done a lot of mileage. It's 46,000 kilometres only. It's been full service with Jeep. It has a five-year warranty and a three-year service contract, which I've extended for two years. But uh, you know, this, and it's the brown color, which you know you can't find dirt on it as such, so it doesn't look dirty as such ever. Uh, so uh, you know, the reason why I'm looking to sell is that I've got another car uh, from the company now, and uh, I don't have parking spaces, so need to get on with it. And I was just thinking, you know, what could I get in this market?
4: Yeah, great. It's uh, the Limited, the 3.6 V6? Yes, correct. 3.2 V6. It's a 3.6, 100%. But, um, okay. yeah, I, I have You're to correct that. you because else somebody will say to me that I don't know what I'm talking about, and that's not a good thing. Um, yeah, that costs about 150, 150 right now in the market. Yeah, it actually, um, that engine is a Pentastar engine. It's a great, great engine, that 3.6 V6, super reliable, um, and a lot less thirsty than the bigger V8 they do. Um, but, yeah that's going to appeal to a lot of people having the v6 engine and and i think you need to get it out there around 150
0: 150 okay manish appreciate your call thank you very much indeed for that one this is the question for matthew before we go to the break i've got a 2014 audi q7 it's a v6 supercharged we want to modify it uh, will it affect its value while we sell it
4: yes very much so um <laughs> Look, the, you know, wh- whenever you make modifications to car, that it's a very personal thing. The way I, the easiest way to explain it, if you like the color yellow and you paint your kitchen yellow, and then you sell your house, the first thing most likely will happen when someone moves into that house is is, is paint the kitchen a different color. Um, modifying cars. It, it it really affects the, 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 the bulk of the market that, look, that are looking to buy that car. My advice when it comes to modifying, keep them very subtle. Understand you'll never get the money back that you put into those modifications. And then you, you have to understand it will affect your audience, the, the people out there that are looking to buy that car. Fix it or flip it.
0: You tell us about your car, we'll tell you how much it's worth. How does that work? Easy, we need your details not personal, but uh, car. Make, model, year, colour, mileage, anything else you can tell us, uh, that would help. What you need to do then is to send those through to 4001 or via the ARN Play app. Matthew Davidson uh, is waiting patiently for us at the moment, the car guru, uh, joining us uh, live throughout this first hour to literally price your cars on the spot. And uh, Matthew, it certainly looks like people are back from their summer vacations because we have got a torrent of... uh, messages coming through. In fact, let's go straight to the lines now where we can catch up with uh, Eswar, who's joined us this morning on the line. Eswar, good
5: morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Unders- I have a Nissan, a Nissan X-Rail. It's a 2008 model, and it has done 100,000 kilometres. Uh, I want to dispose it uh, because uh, I don't have a second uh, parking space. I got a new car. So okay. I would like to how much is maybe what?
0: Okay, over to you, Matt.
5: Yeah, typical Dubai
4: problem. Uh new car rocks up and we've still got all the old ones left. <laughs> Never happens in yeah. the other country. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, what did you say the kilometers were? Uh one hundred thousand. That's really good for a two thousand and eight. I mean that's a fourteen year old car. Um and, and that's a feature for you when you're selling that. You need to, because most of those cars will be 200 plus thousand kilometers. I think the, the value is probably 16 to 18,000. Um, but you need to get, you need to get that, that that's based on those kilometers and you've been able to sell that because everything else in the market will be literally double those kilometers.
5: Okay, that was, uh, uh, the value I was, hoping for it. Thank you very
0: much. Thank you, Eswal. Thanks very much to Eswar. Let's get to line number one now. So good morning to Rod. Morning, Rod. Morning. How are you? Very well. Matthew is all ears. So tell us what you got and some more details.
5: Great. So I have a 2014 Nissan Patrol Safari, uh, the good old classic white color manual transmission, has all the goodies, this and sunroof and so on. Um, I've been, you know, kind of thinking about selling it, but not entirely sure. Uh, because of the petrol prices of, of the past couple of months. I mean, there's all been you know, a very big hike. So I was wondering uh, how much I could possibly get for it.
4: Yeah, morning. Um, great car. Um, we're, we're only about, what, six weeks away now from the cooler weather and people going back into the desert. And that being a manual is appealing. I think the value is, a, is around 45,000. Um, okay, that that's, that's for a 2014, but those type of kilometers, another car where your particular feature you need to promote is manual transmission because there's a lot of patrols. I mean, type Nissan patrol Dubai into Google and see how many are for sale. <laughs> and, Cause there's so many different variants. So, you know, yours, obviously safari and a manual, you need to get that into your marketing, into your headline. Uh, but I think the car will sell for around 45, particularly, um, if it's slow for a couple of weeks, don't worry. Because um, as soon as the weather cools down, there'll be a lot of people chasing that.
5: Yeah, I'm sure. Great. Yeah, I've had I've actually had people uh, stop me on the side of the street asking me if it was for sale. So (laughs) I never knew I never knew what number I could what number I could put on it. But I mean, I don't know. So I'm a desert guy myself, so let's see. Let's see if, if the desert will actually stop me from selling it.
0: You've got, you've got a couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks to make up your mind. Good on you. Uh, well done to you, Rod. Thanks so much indeed for your call this morning. Uh, who's up next? We've got Kamal joining us next on the line. Uh, Kamal, you got a Land Cruiser, yeah?
3: Yes, I do. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Matthew.
0: Good morning to you. A few more details about the Land Cruiser. What do you got? And then we can hand it over to Matthew.
5: Sure. So it's, uh, it's a Land Cruiser, white colour, year 2009 uh kilometers it's a gxr six-cylinder
0: matthew davidson over to you morning
4: <clears throat> what, a, what one of those cars that that actually you can get away with those type of kilometers um i mean back then y- you've got different trim levels gxr and then the higher vxr still a very desirable car having said that but these hold their value incredibly well i would still think you would get late 50s for that car maybe like anywhere between 58 to 60 um, because they are still a lot of demand for these vehicles. And, you know, with with a lot of shortage of new cars at the top end of the market, um, you know, people are still looking for a big car, big reliable car. Um, so, yeah, don't shortchange it. Put it uh, late 50s.
3: Hope that helps. Okay. Come out. It does, it does. I'm actually contemplating an upgrade and I was wondering, uh, you know, how much... How much i could give it up for and uh just like your previous caller i get those random guys trying to stop me and uh you know ask me if i if i wanted to buy it and i had no idea about the numbers so now i get an idea so i appreciate it gentlemen thank oh, you
0: not amazing thanks very much for your call this morning i'm glad we could help let's see if we can help sangeet this morning as well morning sangeet good morning guys how are you we're good thanks very much indeed for the call um out on a saturday morning as well what have you got and give us a few more details
5: all right, so I drive an Alfa Romeo sedan. I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm sure the people looking to buy my car are probably listening, but my question is more about a car that I'm looking to buy. It's a 2018 Prado VXR, 115,000 kilometers. How much should I be paying for that?
4: Morning. Quick question, is it the four-cylinder or the six-cylinder you're looking at? It's the six-cylinder. Okay, so this is the absolute top of the range then. The six-cylinder VXR is the top one they're going especially 2018 they're going for big money because there's not a lot of the newer ones we know why logistics chip shortages same old stories but yep, yep, this yep. has put this has put a lot of pressure on the pricing of the sort of 18 19s i've seen them with those sort of kilometers going for about 135 140 in the market at the moment um you can you can look around um and try and try and find one where people have uh you know, not realize how much their car is worth and probably price it a little bit under. But um, you'll do very well to get one under 135, put it this way.
5: And is 115,000 kilometers uh, too much for a Prado? Or is that still okay?
4: Well, it's four years old. Um, so, you know, whoever owned that car is put roughly about 30,000 on, on it a year, which is an excessive. Um, but we do know these cars run and run. I mean, it's not unusual for a Prado, to sell at quite a good price with over 300,000 kilometers. So um, I suppose it depends when you're looking to move it on yourself. If you have it for a couple of years and you sell it with less than 250,000, um, it may be okay. Or maybe you just keep it and keep driving and driving. But I think you know, that the prices are very high for these cars at the moment right. because of the reasons I stated. Right. So you, you are buying it at the top of the market and in a couple of years time. Um, If things change, that might feel a bit painful, but you know, if you need that car and you want that car right now, that's what they're going for, unfortunately.
0: All right, all right. So, thank you, Sangi. Not at all, thank you. Let's get to some of those questions. Uh, this one, Matthew, from Shafiq, who's been in touch. Dodge Durango, blacktop model 2019. It's white, 42,000 kilometres on the clock, five year warranty and service contract with Alpha Tame. Auto transmission, uh, 3M tinted, front and rear parking sensor, reverse camera, black alloys. How much?
4: Uh, Sangi definitely wins the award for giving us the absolute maximum amount of information we could possibly garner today. That's fantastic, <laughs> and I, I feel now under pressure to give him a very precise answer. Um, but yeah, it's a great car to sell right now because it's it's a new 19 car, and, and there's waitlist on on the new cars. So yeah, he's still going to get a pretty good price. I think it would be about 125. I, I'd even might even started at 129 online. Uh, and see how the market reacts to that. But, yeah, um, I think it's going to sell for around 125.
0: Great car. Well, much you for your question there. Let's get on to the next one. Uh, Elisa's been in touch with a question saying, uh, can you ask Matthew this? I will, Elisa. That's exactly what I do. Uh, she asks, why are there so many new Jimneys on the road this summer? Uh, they're mimicking what a Mercedes looks like. Discuss. yeah. <laughs> That's a good question, yeah.
4: So a couple of years ago, Suzuki um, launched the new Jimny. Um, It was a huge success because it looked like a mini Mm. G-Wagon. And uh, to the extent that um, some people went out and did actually conversions, there's quite a few garages in Dubai now that will convert your little Suzuki to look exactly like a mini (laughs) G-Wagon. And they are pretty cool. Um, They are pretty cool. Underpowered, you know, three-cylinder engine, but very, very cool. Um, so what happened when they first launched it, there was a massive, massive demand for them. Huge waiting list. And finally, these cars are, you know, have made their way onto the market after years of people waiting and um, being patient. So that's why there's so many around. And the reason they look like a, a Mercedes is because people are actually doing the conversions. Um, they're going into Alkuz, and they already start, you know, from a starting standpoint, they look a little bit like a mini G-Wagon, but they're actually going and, and doing the full light conversions and, and playing with the wheels and suspension, etc., uh, so yeah i hope that answers the question
0: does uh but lisa has been uh, well she's taking advantage of the opportunity she's got a follow-up question as well saying uh, can you also ask matthew i want a project car that i can fix up any recommendations from matthew would be appreciated uh, i like drifting and engine power boosting so please matthew keep that in mind
4: okay i hope you're doing that off the off the road <laughs> <laughs> and and on a, on a track somewhere um but yeah i mean this, this sounds an easy answer but it is the answer i mean by nature drifting needs a rear wheel rear wheel drive car um so you know you you need you need a a, a probably uh, it depends on your budget i suppose but you know an, an older bmw um or uh, then you but then you're likely to go for drifting more like into the japanese like uh, some some older Toyotas. so yeah just basically any any good rear wheel drive car um you can modify that, have a lot of fun with that, and certainly drift till the cows come home.
0: Drift till the cows come home. That's going to be the phrase of the morning, that's for sure. Fix it or flip it. A few minutes remaining before we wrap up and the hotline officially closes for the day. And the hotline is hot today. Loads of messages coming in, loads of calls. We're asking you to tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it's worth. It's as simple as that. How does it work? Simple. We need your details about your car. Make model, year, colour, mileage, anything else you wish to share. Send those to 4001 or via the AirM Play app. You can text them over to us now. Who's at the end of those uh, lines? Well, it's the car guru, Matthew Davidson, who's kind enough uh, to give up an hour of his Saturday morning uh, to uh, literally price your cars on the spot. Hence why so many people get in touch, including Sorab, who joins us now live on the line. Saurabh, thanks so much indeed for your time this morning.
5: Thank you so much for answering my call.
0: Tell us, what have you got? And Matthew will price it up.
5: So I've got a 2020 Jeep Wrangler, the four-door. Uh, it's a Stingray, and I've just uh, done 35,000 KMs on this. I've also had the seats and the lighting upgraded to the Sahara. Uh, so just wanted to know what's a good price that I should be expecting if I were to sell it uh, next month.
0: Uh, Matthew, over to you. Witness is yours.
4: Morning. Morning. Uh, one of the hottest cars around at the moment, the Jeep Wrangler, in terms of getting cra- crazy, crazy valuations, you'll be happy to hear that. the uh, Unlimited, um, the four doors, very desirable. What's the kilometres?
5: 35,000.
4: 35, perfect. Yeah, you, you're going to be very, very happy with the value of this car because I think you're going to sell this quite comfortably for about 155, 160. They um, sixty. They're just they don't make sense the valuations on Jeeps at the moment. I mean, uh, my day job is algo-driven and we, we value cars as a business. You know, we value them for banks and people like that. And every day we get Jeep Wranglers coming in and I look at the prices that they're selling for, and in some cases, they're nearly close to what they were new a few years ago. Um, but, yeah, get it out there. You're, you're also very fortunate that we're coming into the to the cooler weather as well. So, yeah, happy days if you want to sell this car right now.
5: Brilliant. I mean, I just made the call because there's uh, uh, two different people who stopped me on the road and asked me if I wanted to sell, sell my car. And uh, this has never happened to me. So I just didn't know if this was really the truth that you know the cars are priced at you know way more than what they used to be uh but thank you for confirming that and uh, hopefully i should get the price that you said
4: yeah and let me tell you one one more thing the people that are stopping you they're freelancers they're people that trade cars um you know on the side in some cases but they know the the values of these cars right now and they know that people in some cases like yourself don't know especially when it's close to new car price So they're looking to buy that off you for something like 125, which you may think is what it was worth. And then they they put it out there at 155, 160. That's why they're desperate to stop everyone at the moment, because there's a great uh, opportunity to make money in this market.
0: Uh,
5: thank you so much you've
4: made well, uh,
0: my weekend well go and enjoy your weekend sir Ab, with a big slap up lunch to celebrate uh, on the back of that valuation congratulations to you that's the third time we've heard about people being stopped or either on the road or pavements etc to be asking if they want to sell their car matthew
4: yeah and for the reason i just said tom people are making money right now there's freelancers everywhere if you go to down by the garden center in shakeside road you'll get stopped uh, up in the, the 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 community centers like arabian ranches that they're, they're just they're, they're hawkers they're hanging around they're hoping that that you don't know the value of your car and how can you how could you be expected to think if you bought a car for 170000 two years ago, and you've put 35,000, you would never dream that that car's worth 155, 160. You'd think, well, you know, I lose 20% driving it out of the showroom, Mm. and I've driven it for two years and 35,000 kilometers. So I guess it's worth 125, 130. Mm. And that's why everybody's getting stopped, because there's a lot of money to be made.
0: Let's see what we can do for Mark. He's joined us as well this morning. Uh, Got time for a couple more. Mark, uh, good morning to you.
5: Yes, hi, good morning.
0: Uh, tell us, what have you got?
5: So I got in my home country a uh, Maserati GT, 3200 uh, GT, uh, 67K, silver color, uh, burgundy interior. I did the restoration work because on this model, uh, all the plastic switch, they have a the tendency to, uh, to melt uh, after some times. And I'm wondering uh, if it would make sense for me to bring that car uh, to Dubai, to use it a little bit and then to sell it.
0: Matthew,
5: hi, morning. Um, what was the year of the car?
4: It's a Gran Turismo. I, I get that, but what's the year? I think it's a uh, 1997. Yeah. So, look, in in terms of a uh, value, I don't I don't think it will be economical if you're thinking to bring it here and then try and sell it, simply because the cost of actually shipping it, and when when it does arrive here, you'll have five percent import and five percent VAT on that car having said that if your intention is to to bring it here and and, and drive it around yourself because you know you, the, the value isn't high here for, for that car um you know you'd be you'd be lucky to get 20 25000 um and the cost of shipping it is so expensive these days insurance shipping import duties etc so if you were bringing it in for yourself to just continue to drive it until it gives up um but yeah it it'll be affected quite a lot by the heat here as well that 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 age of car so yeah unfortunately i i wouldn't say it's it's a great idea but if you did it would only be f- for personal use until until it gives up
5: okay thank you very much uh, i think that makes sense because I, I, I saw i saw that car price very very high in dubai but i was not sure if it would uh, if it was there were some potential buyers for that kind of cars, which are close to be classic cars too.
4: Yeah, not not unfortunately yeah. at that end of the market. No, um, Dubai does very well in cars that move us around. You know SUVs and uh, and and then at the top end, newer type of sports and supercars. That that it, it does well in those areas, but it doesn't um, do well in you know thirty year old you know um, Maseratis that that aren't regarded as classics. You know. Um, if you're talking about super classic cars then the, the, there's a small there's a small following of them for, for those here but uh not not this this car unfortunately
0: mark thanks so much indeed for your call uh there we are within the within the the matter of two uh phone calls this morning matthew we've had the highs and lows of valuation haven't we <laughs> yes for sure for sure uh, right i've probably got time for one more let's go to line number two where we can speak to uh abdul rachman who joins us now live on the line morning abdul rachman
5: hello good morning how are you
0: very well indeed you're the final call for matthew this morning so tell us what you got and what you want to know from
5: all right i i have a land rover defender d90 Uh, stock, so I didn't put anything on top of it. It's a 2016 model, uh, driven for 12,000 kilometers, and I'm just wondering what I could sell it for.
0: Matthew. Morning,
4: morning, happy you're the last morning. to always like to talk about Defenders. So 90 is the two-door, then (laughs) the 110 is the four-door for people listening, so that's a very easy way just to know the difference when people are talking about Defenders. Um, You know, I was always annoyed with Land Rover because they announced the end of the Defender and, and, you know, everybody grabbed them and the values went up and then they go, oh, we're making a new one. Um, so that was always quite frustrating. What did you say the kilometers were on yours? 12,000. 12,000. Uh, that's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, that's your feature headline for sure. Um, look, I, I will tell you the, the prices for these cars are all over the place. I've seen them as low as 250 for this year in kilometers and, uh, and as high as 330. Um, but uh, me knowing what the market's doing and everything, I'm more towards the bottom end of that valuation. I think the car's worth 275, 280, um, simply because it's that they're, they're under pressure now from the newer defenders that have come out. I know they're a different car, um, but having said that, um, I believe that the, the 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 model that you've got, the previous model, was overinflated a little bit with the hype of them never making them again. Um, but yeah, I would get I would get it out there around two seventy five.
5: Okay, excellent. Um, is, is it because uh, the, my question is, and the reason I'm a bit confused is because I didn't pay that much to buy it. I bought it at one hundred and sixty. So uh, did, did it really uh, appreciate? Yeah. So so what? Wh- when did you buy it? Uh, two thousand and
4: sixteen, at the end of uh, it. Okay. Yeah. So remember when you bought it? It was just regular defender they were making them and then um shortly after that is when they announced they weren't making them anymore and they went to the moon uh and that slowly the okay. air is coming out of the bubble now and they're coming down and down and down but they actually just went insane people were buying them thinking i can hold this car and and make free times the money on it or at least double wow. my money um and yeah. then what happened is as i said that the new defender got launched by land rover and slowly the values have been Under coming the- out of the- yeah
0: Understood, um, understood. it's still it's still a
4: great still a great <laughs> thank you
0: thank so you much so indeed much. for your uh <laughs> enjoy a it no uh, bless you thank you very much indeed for the the call this morning and a big thank you to you as well matthew um who says that there's no one in dubai at the moment uh, that was a busy old hour
4: yeah, I, I think people are coming back. I've noticed the roads the last couple of days have picked up. So, yeah, we're getting back to normal soon.
0: Matthew, always good to catch up with you. I'll let you get on with the rest of your weekend. Thanks so much indeed for your time. If people want to get in touch with you, Matthew, best way for them to do that? Yeah, um, I
4: always keep an eye on what Algo Driven's doing. That's that's what we do. We uh, we inspect cars. We value cars, et cetera. So uh, have a quick look at Algo Driven. Um, Google it
0: find out what we do good on you matthew davidson enjoy your weekend thank you very much indeed to matthew the good news is that well hopefully alfa romeo being all good and well uh, damien Reed will be returning to these shores sooner rather than later he'll be back in the hot seat uh, uh with his hands on the wheel uh next time round thanks so much D, for tuning in if we didn't get to answer your questions this week worry not we will be uh, answering it them during the next show so keep them coming in throughout the course of the week that was Motormania. enjoy your weekend